Good morning, Genesis community. Good morning, church. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is great to be with you and to have you. So this morning I want to start with a psalm. We've been reading a psalm to uh, kind of engage most of our worship. And I think sometimes we have patterns of our psalms being awesome and great and, and pumped. But the psalm I want to read is a psalm of lament. I'm sorry, of lament, and uh, it's from Psalm 43. Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. For you are God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live, where I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my harp, O oh God, my God. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. And that, uh, that's a psalm of lament. And uh, even within the material we've been going through for the, the, um, for the Deeply Formed Life, a book that's moving us into this series. Lament is such a crucial part and with, within this act of, uh, today we're gonna to be talking about reconciliation, but most of our content today is about sort of lament. And the act of lament is the spiritually mature response to sadness and to sorrow. Right? It's, it, it's, what, it's where those kinds of emotions have an outlet for. Sadness and sorrow. Sochara, who is a professor and a theologian, says lament recognizes the struggle of life and cries out for justice against existing injustices. And so in this act of lamenting, we pour out our souls to God and in turn receive grace and power to respond. So it's like twofold. One, we want to pour out our souls in grief, the cries for justice and sorrow, but in it we're looking for the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to give us a prophetic imagination of how to move forward. And so this morning, as we began, Nate and I wanted to take a moment and powerfully name the pain or to prayerfully name the pain, the injustice, and the grief that many of us have been experiencing uh, since 10 days ago when there was an insurrection that happened at our capital. But in it, we want to reframe this in a response of lament. Sorrow, grief, and injustice. We want to, we want to name it. And then have the opportunities to take our sorrow and our grief and our cries for justice to God. Permission here is not to be perfect in this. 
but to give avenue for pain and grief and the cry for justice. Does that make sense? That is the biblical pattern of lament. We cry out to God. So if I name my pain and my sorrow, I think one of the biggest places as I still sit with it is the sorrow of how the name of Jesus has been so maligned within that insurrection where Jesus's name and images could be held hand in hand with white supremacy, where Jesus's name and the people who claim his name would be found in that way um, pushing forward with these, these, these ideas and with violence against others to use the name of Jesus, not in the ways of Jesus. And my sorrow and grief is with the great division that has come through tons of lies that are continuing to be pushed forward and where people have grabbed the hold of lies, perpetuated lies of um, that democracy is being stolen, that the election was stolen, lies of um, these conspiracy theories, that is maligning the name of Jesus. And it puts me into grief that these lies are being held onto and creating division and creates sorrow. Nate, uh, some, some languages, you've named the... Mm. Um, <clears throat> I have a great uh, grief and sadness for the next generation as a as a leader as a pastor i never thought that i would ever be responding to an insurrection i never thought that that would be a part of the conversation in helping um to try and shepherd through that it seems so um, far in my mind from what I had ever expected. And so I think there's a piece of it that was like, the grief was like the shock. Um, having teenagers in the house and they're trying to reconcile what they're watching and what they're seeing with the fact that their dad is a pastor and that all of, um, all of their contacts and you know social media and all of these statements are um, replaying over and over again people who are aligning this behavior with the name of Jesus and watching that in my kids and watching them try to reconcile this and for for me to um, try and understand for them what does the church look like moving forward um, it's lost its integrity. Um, I fear that the church at large is operating without the guidance of the Holy Spirit and doesn't, doesn't know the maturity of sitting and listening and being uh, tutored and being convicted. I have, a, I have a great fear and a great mourning in me that the church at large has been brought up to make agreements, but has not been filled with the Spirit of God. 
and that the Spirit of God is what equips us to be able to discern between the voices that we're hearing. And so there's a great mourning um, in me about that um, because it's the invitation that God made to us, right, Bo? To, to equip the people. And so there's a lot of sadness in me about that. And um, what seems so clear for me is um, my inability to conjure hope. That uh, there must be something outside of us that brings us hope in this. Um, the, the pain of the violence against one another is not partisan. It's human. And the flaw um, doesn't run through a democratic system. The flaw runs through each of our hearts. And as I think about that, um, the only thing I can do is call out and to cry out um, for God. I, I mourn the way that I see it bring division in our specific church in our congregation and in our people. And so this morning, uh, these are pieces that I lament. Today, we want to invite you in to lament grief and sorrow. We're going to be talking about racial reconciliation. And for many, many, felt the grief and the sorrow of what happened a week ago last Wednesday and they saw white privilege. They saw in this political, what was called a political protest, images and icons of white supremacy being held together with Jesus. They saw a Confederate flag marching through the capital of our state building, which is a sign of white supremacy. Right? And so it's this grief, it's this continual reminder of the lies that have been perpetuated in order for people to get power, for oppression to come so that people could have power and money. Right? And so, and, 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 and how the church was complicit in it. And so it was just another reminder of that so we hold that grief within there we hold that grief and, and, we, and we cry out for justice justice but for justice to come truth has to be we, we, we need that oxygen of truth and jesus himself said he was truth and it just seems like truth is one of the hardest things today, right? For the crazy accusations and lies that are being upheld. And so in that, we cry out for the truth of Jesus, right? That is distinguishable, that has a fruit to it, that has an aroma to it, right? That we have a spirit, as Nate said, that helps us to discern it. This is not opinion, it's discernible, but yet 
so many seem to be have an inability toward this, and we mourn that within the church. So let me turn in prayer and mourn. And so, Father, have mercy. How long, God? How long will we have the inability to be able to agree on what is true? How long will we have the uh, will, will lies about um, some people being inferior and others having a priority that does not line up with yours? How long will those people in power hold those positions? How long will the church, your beautiful body in which you gave your life for, continue to be complicit within acts of violence and oppression against marginalized people and justify it in some way with your name or with some other ideas? How long, God, we bring our sorrow and our grief to you and we ask for your prophetic spirit to show us a way to respond, to move forward. Give our people tears, Lord, as they have not had before. So our tears would sow some kind of, they, they would water the ground, Lord, that you would meet us in these tears, Lord, and give us a prophetic sense of how to move forward in the name of Jesus. This is by your grace and by your empowerment. We ask you that, Lord. Amen. Um, today has got a lot more lamenting. And so I, I want to let you know that's the biblical pattern. And so um, the song that we're going to even kind of posture ourselves as we, as we experience so much sort of, sort of sense of sorrow and grief, because we're going to step into some of the stuff with the mental health that so many of people in our community are experiencing, the heaviness, the depression, and despair within the season, right? To lament and to cry out to God. And we're going to talk about racial reconciliation as that being a deep-rooted way of Jesus. And so, um, and, and looking for the Spirit of God to be directing us in this time. We're counting on the Spirit to give us grace, and to help us respond. And so, um, but Emad is, is going to play the song and he's using this old sort of almost revival hymn of coming. It's called Just As I Am. And it's kind of saying, hey, we're coming in this, right? With all of our junk, with all of our pain, with all of our disappointment, with all of our anger, with all of our frustrations. And we're not putting it to the side. We're not sweeping it under the carpet. We're coming with it to you, God, together as your body and allow your spirit to breathe upon us. So I invite you to, um, to sing, to worship, to sit, to, to, to sit in this moment. And Emad, I invite you to, to lead us at this time. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee. 
God, I come, I come, just as I am in waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O oh, Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt. Fightings and fears within, without, O oh, Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, they'll receive, will welcome pardon, Thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come, I Amen, amen. Thank you. Because I promise, I, I, because as, I believe. I believe. And so, so the, we want to make space to call on God and to enter into those promises. And sometimes um, those promises are the best prayers that we can make. They're rooted in the faithfulness of God. They're rooted in the truth of God's word to us. And so we have some members of our community that are going to pray and represent us to God and also represent God to us. And so as we were preparing for uh, this moment, uh, we listed the burdens and the heaviness that we were carrying just out of the last two weeks. And we know that um, we know that we are a microcosm, that we represent what is happening on the whole. And right now, uh, mental illness seems to be um, at a peak. And that the darkness seems to be creeping in in ways that it um, hasn't been in the last 13 months but that right now there are many in our community um, and so representative of the whole that are hitting new lows. Um, where there was a will to live, the will has left. And where um, those who have been in isolation and living um, alone are experiencing the end of the rope 
And we want to be mindful of that, and we want to lament, and we want to share together in prayer. We're also um, understanding the financial, relational, emotional strain that so many are going through, as it seems like this just continues to lag on. And um, we want to represent that in prayer. We also uh, want to represent what God has to say to us. And so we have um, a few from our community who have been listening this week, and we want to make space for that. Because as, as I said earlier, um, I'm not able to conjure the hope that I need right now. And so I do believe in the promises of God, and I do believe that they will bring hope to us. And so let's enter into a time of prayer. And um, Deb, we're going to have you start us off. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you this morning. and First of all, we want to praise you for who you are. Thank you for this time together, Father. And um, just thank you for how you've emphatically reminded me this since January 6th, that you are in control, that nothing that goes on is surprises you. Um, and thank you for your direction in, to me to, that you led me to your word and came to mind right away was your promise um, to trust in you and that you would guide us and show us um, what path to take. Father, and also that you reminded me to pray for our leaders. Um, there's so much to pray about, Father. Um, we promise to continue to pray. This week coming up, Father, we pray for peaceful transition, and um, we will continue to pray for our leaders. We trust you, and we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, church. I also, um, as as Nate shared and Bo shared about all the things going on with our church, um, I just went back to the crushing feelings I felt before um, surrendering to Jesus. And so, as I thought about that, I I, um, I wanted to pray to pray to God, Lord. First, I want to praise you for being a good and loving God, even when we may not always understand what it is you're maybe doing. Lord, help us remember the times that you've come through for us. Help us to remember the times that we only realized in hindsight how your hand was on us. And Lord, help us just like you help Joseph to stay faithful to your truths through all these trials that we face. Lord, I lift up our entire community to you and ask for your peace that surpasses all understanding to be upon us during these trying times. You know each of our circumstances and you know what is weighing us down. I pray, Father, that you would calm our minds and focus our eyes on Jesus during this time, just like Peter did when he was able to walk on the water. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength and motivation 
to move forward toward you during this time, rather than thinking wrongly that we can do it on our own. May our focus be always on you, in Jesus' name. As we know that there are those in our community that are battling for their uh, mental health. Um, I know that you know people in your life. And so let's take a moment before we go to Carmel, let's take a moment and we have the chat feature. If you wanna write in the name of someone that you know who's battling right now um, in mental health, or if you wanna say their name aloud at home, um, I'm going to pray for those who are in the throes of battle. So Lord Jesus, would your spirit come and um, strengthen and secure and rescue those who are in the battle. For those who are in the throes and it uh, seems like the darkness is overwhelming and it seems that the weighted vest is just getting heavier. And so, Lord, I ask that you would call them by name and that you would speak over them the value that they hold. And Lord, we ask for intervention and we ask for rescue. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll go to Carmel for prayer. Psalm seven, I come to you for protection, O Lord, my God. Save me from my persecutors, rescue me. If you don't, they will maul me like a lion, tearing me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Arise, O Lord, in anger. Stand up against the fury of my enemies. Wake up, my God, and bring justice. Gather the nations before you. Rule over them from on high. Lord, judge the nations, end the evil of those who are wicked, defend the righteous. You are our shield, saving our hearts. You are an honest judge and you are angry with the wicked every day. We will thank you, God, because you are just. God, I come to you on behalf of those whose minds and body chemicals have turned against them and are seeking to maul them and tear them piece to piece. And I say, Lord, wake up in your anger and defend them. Rescue them from the jaws of evil, of darkness, of despair, of poor body chemistry, of low vitamin D, of isolation. We say, 
open the gates of sunshine, of wholeness, of dopamine, of, of community, of friendship, of more. You are the God of abundance. Let us not believe in scarcity. Father, now I plea on behalf of the parents. Father, this is too long and it's too much. The lion that feels like it's mauling us is in our house. God, these poor kids in this strange world, the feeling of being trapped is recognized by both child and parent. And God, we ask you for freedom. We ask you for safety. We ask you for strength to enable us to go on the heights. As Habakkuk says, that you strengthen our weak knees so we can keep climbing mountains. God, this is a ginormous, as my son would say, mountain. And it feels like we're never summiting. God, come with your healing power and set us free. Restore parents, restore our patience, restore our creativity. Restore our kindness, our gentleness. Father, we ask too that you restore our children's joy and ability to regulate. Even as I hear mine falling right now. And God, I come to you on behalf of our bank accounts quite frankly, we're running out, Lord. And again, you said you're the God of abundance, but you also said that you will never leave us or forsake us. And you said it in context to finances, that we could trust you, we could give you what we have. God, let us not be afraid to continue to give radically freely, wisely. God, we ask that you would come and give us, quite frankly, more. I don't believe in a prosperity gospel, but I do believe in a prosperous God. Bless us, Father. Bless us. God, I see Tony Wright has written about helping people with fear. I echo that. God, now I pray, we pray on behalf of those consumed with anxiety and fear, the illogical and the very, very logical. God, the lion again is in their soul. It threatens to tear us apart. Protect us wake up angry and defend us. 
please God, come to our aid. Would you open the eyes of every person who is next to someone just riddled with fear? And would you empower them, Father, to move? God, we have an inheritance of faith that is meant to be passed. So Father, we ask you to move amongst us and give us the will, give us the strength to pass it, to extend our line of faith to whoever needs it, to extend our heart of peace to those who are riddled with the fear. Open our eyes in a new way so we can see those on the edge. God, we are asking for breakthrough. We want the sun, the light to come in and just eradicate shadow. Just blister it out, Father. I'm thinking of my own sister right now who is riddled with anxiety. And as I watch her battle, and it is a battle, Father, I am asking you to win. I want you to win, God. You said that you've already won. Can I see it? Can I see you win? Will you give me faith to believe that you win? God, we're asking for more faith. More faith to keep praying, more faith to keep hoping, more faith to keep waking up in the morning, breathing in and out, putting one foot in front of the other. This is what we want. This is what we ask for. You are such a good God. Can you show us now? We remember everything you've done, Father. We do. We are so thankful. And we feel like brute beasts before you begging for more. But we know that you say, oh, I am close to the brokenhearted. I see them. I hear them. I bend close to hear you. So God, we are screaming in your ear that's so near us. Help, help. Thank you, God, for always hearing us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being large, for being bigger than anything that we've brought, anything that's in front of us for being wider and deeper than we could even dream. Cover the world with your mercy. May your kindness bring us to your eternal love and may your justice roll down the mountains like a mighty river drowning the evil in its path. Amen, amen, amen.
we try to make a habit of encouraging one another and in that we have our hope renewed and restored revelation 12 starting at verse 10 it says then i heard a loud voice saying in heaven now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our god and the power of his christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our god day and night and has been cast down there is an accuser in case there was question if this if this was a partisan conversation it's not the accuser is of the brethren and it says and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death and so we want to make space for the word of testimony we we have claimed the blood of the lamb we've claimed it for each other for ourselves for our world and now we want to encourage each other with a word of testimony and so thank you for your prayers and sam is going to lead us in our testimony time all right good morning church okay so good morning my name is sam and i have andrew here with me <laughs> um and so yeah as nate kind of mentioned we want to continue to recognize that during this time of everything that's upon us isolation lament everything that's happening that it's so important for us to encourage one another and to hear god's encouragement um, and what he's doing in our lives um and, you know, sometimes it's even just the smallest things. I am a remote virtual teacher right now, and it's so isolating. I'm, I'm in a brand new school. I've never even seen these children in person. And yet I have one or two students who constantly are asking, when can we come on your Google classroom again? When can we see you again? When can we chat? Mm. And it's just so sweet and such a reminder that, you know, these kids need so much. And even I need, you know, this, this, uh, the socialization, even with the children. And so it's just so, it's a blessing to hear that, you know, the kids are like, Hey, where are you? We, we want to see you. We want to, we want to talk to you. So even just that little thing is a blessing from God saying, you know, we'll get through it, even though it's very difficult. So if you have something to share, please um, let us know, put your name in the chat, raise your hand. And we would love to hear some more encouragement who would like to share. I see Maddie's name in the chat. I think I'm unmuted. I don't know for sure. I am. Okay, great. Um, I just wanted to praise God um, and thank you, um, Genesis Church. And I know Dan Bretry even put a prayer in the chat last week. Um, just experiencing like overwhelming peace about um, contemplating whether or not to get the vaccine as someone who's pregnant. And so, um, yeah, whereas I feel like in years past, it would have been like the fears of the unknown 
um, would have been crippling. And so just praising God for his peace in the midst of, um, yeah, unknowns and uh, hard decisions. So just wanted to share that. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Maddie. <laughs> uh, looks like we have Dan. Dan. Yeah, I'm on you. Hello. Hi there. So uh, thank you, Sam, for talking about some of the simple things that connect us. And uh, as we've been praying for people, we've got some people that we're connected with that are really having struggles. And I'm just so grateful that we can, we can communicate uh, by telephone, uh, by, you know, uh, video chats, whatever it may be, it makes such a difference. You know, when Sharon and I were dating, we were separated for two years while I was at college and, and she was home and, and we were writing letters almost, you know, uh, three or five times a week. And then you'd have to wait for those letters to come. And, and, you know, it was tough to share about difficult things, but, you know, we, we've got some folks that we have regular check-ins with. And, uh, and I'm just grateful that as we're going through this trial as individuals and families and as a church and as a nation, that we can, we can connect to one another and pray for each other, uh, even though we're separated by, by large distances. And, and God has really used that as a lifeline for a lot of people in our lives. And we're, we're thankful we could be a part of that. Hi, everybody. Um, I just wanted to praise God for um, my mom. She uh, Just before Christmas, she had some health problems and went to the doctor and they thought she'd had a mini stroke. And then they did some testing and they discovered she had a mass on her brain. And just this whole quick, quick thing. The, she had surgery on Monday and she called me like Tuesday morning, chipper, happy as a clam. They brought her home on Wednesday. She's feeling stronger on her whole left side. And so it was just such a, uh, an amazing recovery, much better than we had sort of anticipated. And she, she was mentioning to me like how people were praying for her. And she mentioned it to the nurses at the hospital and all the nurses were so encouraging to her as well. Like um, I think one of them even commented that many of the nurses were not you know, necessarily believers in, in Jesus or anything, but the, the four that were working with my mom were. And so it was just like, my mom was encouraged by the treatment and care she got. And we were encouraged by God's great provision in that kind of a quick thing, but um, praise God, because she seems like she is back. And so. Awesome. That's beautiful. Definitely praise God. Oh. All right. Oh, I think there's another one, Shane. Ooh. <laughs> Hi. Um, so yeah, this one's coming from a, a couple weeks back, but um, one of my COVID co coping strategies uh, was that I bought a ping pong table and had one of my best friends as kind of part of my bubble to come over and and play a game or two every week and um camaraderie and friendship is uh for for a single guy without a family himself it, it is 
essential. Um, but one of the unexpected uh, kind of surprise events, what my friend that would come over and play eventually his wife was like, it's, it's not really fair that you're always leaving me with the kids. How about you take the kids over to Shane's house? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I had a whole Saturday with two kids, like a five-year-old and an eight-year-old uh, running around my house. And it was kind of a magical reprieve um, to be around, um, yeah, a childlike view of, of life and um yeah and there was a new levity that um yeah i had to admit i'm not used to having that in my life and um yeah it was just a really special day of you know playing table tennis watching disney movies and you know and, and then having these small children come to you with, you know, magical little wonders that they find around your house. Um, yeah, and it, it was an experience that has, I definitely needed and didn't know how to ask for. Um, yeah, and that's something I would hope, that kind of experience, I would hope everyone is able to experience that through this season. And there is a new opportunity for uh, a sensitivity to um, appreciation and, um, you know, maybe something that I would have overlooked outside of this, um, this moment. And I'm thankful for it. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> I like how Mania said in the chat, borrow other people's kids. That's awesome. <laughs> um, thank you everybody for sharing. I also see that Amanda <clears throat> put in the chat from Stephanie on Facebook to pray for her students with isolation and needing intervention. And so um, definitely God, we pray for students in this time who you know, never would have thought that they would have to attend school in this way and be away from their friends and teachers um, and you know, stuck at home. <clears throat> so please pray for their encouragement as well, God. Um, and I think we go to Harvey now. Ooh. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Okay. Uh, good morning. Uh, if you are viewing us on Facebook, uh, please go to our website to fill out the uh, green card for your prayer request, or you can stay online and fill out the green card right here on, on Zoom. Either way that you want to do that. I want to talk about um, the warming center right now. As you know, we've been doing this for many years. And Genesis and several other churches uh, are even now uh, having a warming center. Our dates for the two weeks will begin next Sunday, uh, January 24th through February 6th. <laughs> now, as a side note, February 6th is a very important date. Uh, many people that you know were born on February 6th. One example, of course, would have been uh, the president, Ronald Reagan. And the other one will be unnamed, although I can tell you that he's a wonderful person. He'll be celebrating his 84th birthday 
on February 6th, and uh, he loves chocolate. That, I, I won't tell you his name, but say, say um, happy birthday to him. But we want to thank everybody that um, has signed up so far. Uh, without all those signatures and all the people volunteering, of course, nothing would happen. Um, we have a, a, a challenging thing this year because of the COVID, uh, rather than our normal 100 people every night that we had for many years, uh, we now have a maximum of only 30 people uh, that can come to our, our church. Uh, so we have fewer spots, but we still, we still have 50 spots for overnight guests. So, hosts, I'm sorry. So if you've been thinking about it, you've been praying about it, waiting to sign up, today is the day to help fill us a gap. So will you sign up to be a host for overnight? The truth of the matter is, my friends, time goes by really fast. You can talk to the other hosts that are there. That would be nice. Uh, you could read the latest novel by James Patterson, or even better yet, by Sharon and Dan Butchery, an interesting book. Uh, that would be great. Or you could even open the Bible and catch up on your Bible reading. Wouldn't that be swell or awesome? <laughs> uh, if you have any questions uh, about the Warming Center, feel free to call uh, uh, Allison or Carol. They have all the answers and would be very excited to hear from you. Uh, to help cover the cost of the Warming Center supplies that are normally donated, uh, we can send uh, cash donations through a Venmo app to at Olivia J.V. McLaughlin, the last four digits of her phone number are 5096. Now I read that verbatim, but I think it'll be on the chat that if you wanna send out uh, money to help buy the parts. Um, the welcome in if you wanna get tested, uh, will be open on Thursday, January 21st. Uh, you need to email your name, your age, your gender, your birthday and your race to them by Wednesday, the January 20th, by seven o'clock. That also the, will be on the uh, chat. And because of the virus, we are not asking you, remember how you used to take that little tab off the signboard and it said like uh, two dozen socks or whether, we can't do that anymore. So we're collecting money through the Venmo app to purchase all of those things. Uh, so we're asking you to give a few dollars to help defray the cost of buying that. This afternoon, there is a mandatory training session for the overnight hosts, and that starts at uh, 1230 or go to two o'clock. It also says for the um, for the guests, I'm in charge of the guests, so people don't worry about it. I'm going to contact you individually and we'll talk about what we have to do. Um, to volunteer for the warming center and learn more about the safety protocol this season. Um, that also be on the chat. You know, our church is a love church, isn't it? Do love church. And as we're all familiar with uh, Matthew 25, when Jesus told him to give drink to those who are thirsty and to give food to those who are hungry and give shelters to them. And they said, well, Jesus, when, when did we do that to you? And he said, even as you do it to my brother and sister, you do it to me. So that's what this is all about. 
It's all about do love. And as, um, as someone had said, love is not love until you give it away. So that's, that's pretty much it for the, uh, for the warming center. We've asked that you would pray about it and uh, would sign up particularly for the overnighters. And uh, I don't know who's next, but God bless you all. Thank you, Church. Thanks for that, Harvey. We're, we know that uh, there's, we were inviting people with the Warming Center. Invite someone to do it with you. If you say, yeah, I can do that. I can step in there. That's a opportunity that you can do, that your family can do, where you can go there and be present. Saying, invite someone to be with you. We're meaning with that, not, that could be somebody in the church. We're also thinking a friend, somebody that you know who's also longing for connection, who wishes there was more opportunities. Um, some of you are trying to build a relationship, invite them with you to be creative in this. Um, we think that those will be really, really meaningful opportunities to connect with people. So church, thank you so much for that. Thank you for um, your continued faithfulness, right, and giving. And as we continue to pray that we'll pray for generosity. So let me just pause and just pray to God for his good to continue to come into this world. Um, and, uh, yeah, for God's kingdom to come. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for meeting our needs. You have given us everything that we need. And so, Lord, even when we don't see it yet, we wait. Trusting from your hand. Not looking to anyone else's. We know that we don't have to distort. We don't have to lie. We don't have to manipulate. We don't have to finagle. You provide. And we say, Lord, let your kingdom come. But you are inviting us to be generous, so may our hearts match yours. Oh, change our hearts, Lord. Open our hands to others. Give us wisdom, too, Lord, to know how to use our resources in this time for your good. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Monday is the national holiday, right? marking the life of Martin Luther King Jr. And we have um, longed, and it's with that sort of that holiday, right, we think comes this chance to sort of even to recognize kind of what has happened in our world and uh, in our country specifically as it comes to racism, right, and racial sin and hostility. That has been incredibly real uh, in the United States before its inception, right? Before it was birthed as a nation, this defect and these ideas were being perpetuated. And so we think that there's, it's, so, it's been hard for the church and for Christians to be able to respond, especially white Christians, right? To respond appropriately to this. And so we're in this series about deep roots, right? About being deeply rooted and about even in hard times flourishing and about having our roots in Jesus and in this way of having this rooted life and about what are the habits we need for a rooted life, for this well-formed life. And in the book, The Richly Formed Life, the second move is a way of contemplative rhythms was what last week was, but a pace, right? 
And this week is about our priorities and racial reconciliation is one of the priorities of a deeply rooted life. It's a life that's rooted in relationships and it's a life that's rooted in justice. And it's a life that's rooted in the truth, right? Of uh, the way the world was created good and that God created all humanity in his likeness. And so we know that in order for us to be deeply rooted in God, that we must be deeply rooted in the work of God. And racial, reconcilia- r- racial reconciliation is a gospel work. It's not in addition to this thing that we would call the work that Jesus did. We would say this is a part of the work that Jesus did. Which was to step into the alienation of humanity, right? To the pain and the brokenness of humanity and restore it and to bring a right verdict into it to bring forgiveness of sin but also the restoration that we could join with god what god was doing in the world the gospel this good news of what jesus has done is not just this this truth that allows individuals to go to heaven after they die, right? It's just not an individual salvation. The big good news is that, yes, Jesus is the only answer, is the only answer to the brokenness of this world, right? There is no way out of that. And many people have tried so many ways to get out of how the world is so broken. And Jesus is the answer, the solution, the door out, through his death and resurrection. But that leads to a newness of life that starts now, where he recreates us and commissions us to his work of restoring all things and bringing justice and shalom between all humanity. So if you want to be deeply rooted, you must, deeply rooted in Jesus, you must be a part of race or reconciliation. And especially in the context of the United States. And so we pause on this day, not as a way of just saying, oh, this is just our, our ploy in this, but we continue to sense the spirit of God leading us towards this work, towards kingdom work of racial reconciliation. And, you know, it's been, I mean, th- this year has been one where that has been the reality, right? You know, we, we, we all know places, I mean, did you know where, that, where Ferguson, Missouri was? Did you know who Eric Garner was? Or Trayvon Martin or George Floyd? We mentioned Charlottesville, what comes to your mind? All of those names and places continue to remind us of the issues of race and hostility and racial sin. And that in the United States, there is these deep issues. And this is very real. And so this reality that we have been called to have our lives shaped by a different kind of power, pace, and priorities offered us to God. And today I want to talk about the different kind of priorities. That our lives would be shaped by that because they were shaped by Jesus. And if your life is shaped by Jesus, there is a priority toward racial reconciliation, toward reconciliation towards humanity. And as Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil says, reconciliation 
is this ongoing spiritual process that involves forgiveness, repentance, and justice that restores broken relationships and systems to reflect God's original intent for all creation to flourish. This is about joining with God and the flourishing of all people. This work of racial reconciliation requires a gospel that's big enough that would address these individual racist ideas, right? This, our individual racist beliefs and biases and paradigms, but also would be big enough to address the systems and the systemic misuse of power. Um, Rich Feodolis from New Life Church, he, he created, this is the guy who wrote the Deeply Formed book. He has this image. It might be helpful for us just to view this. This image kind of shows the issue. There's so much is going on. And there's the reality of this work for many who think that this this work, right? Like, oh, this, is it is it really needed, right? How 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 big of an issue is it? And I would put before you, and as he does in this image, that it's an iceberg. Right? There's what you can see above the surface, which is 10%. But in reality, there's just 90% underneath the water that is just there. And now, today, these things, these, these things were not always socially unacceptable. They are now. We praise God for that. The socially, acceptable, uh, the socially unacceptable things, right? Using the N-word, the KKK, swastikas, lynching, hate crimes, racial slurs. But yet, there seems to be this covert racism that still exists within our country, mass incarceration. For those of you who have been studying that and reading into it and looking into that reality, racial profiling, police brutality, presumption of guilt, implicit bias, redlining, housing discrimination, hiring discrimination, racist jokes. This is covert racism. So much of it is socially acceptable. 90% is this iceberg sort of reality. I was reading this book called The Color of Compromise. This is an image that someone created for that. Let me stop sharing, see if I can show this to you. You can see it. Yeah, it's not showing up. Oh, I'll get it on my screen. <laughs> Everyone else can see it but me. Oh, I see it glowing there. There we go. Jamar Tinsby, and he wrote the book, The Color of Compromise. He's a historian. He's a Christian. He's a person of color. And he, and he, he wrote this um, survey of the history of our country and it, it, among the church, Protestant Christians, and just said all the complicity within Christianity towards overt racism. Um, it's a survey that most of us don't, wouldn't want to read. So when they talk about this iceberg, right, about this overt and covert racism, Jamar says that this sort of complicit Christianity first forfeits its moral authority by devaluing the image of God and people of color. 
place, placing some people to be superior and some people being inferior. That's what, that's what Brian Stevenson, when he talks about the greatest offense within our country wasn't that people were enslaved, it was the perpetual lie of white supremacy that was created in order for white people not to feel guilty for their treatment of people, so they created myths and ideas of white supremacy that has still remained within our country. This leads to, as he says here at the bottom of this, this iceberg mentality, right? Like a ship that has a cracked hole and is taking on water. Christianity has run, has run aground on the rocks of racism and threatens to capsize. It has lost its integrity. Now, he's not saying that salvation doesn't work, that Jesus hasn't saved people from their sin. He's saying that the church in the United States has lost its integrity. It's hit the rock of racism and threatens to capsize. It has lost its integrity, a ship that has lost that. And it's lost it. And we respond to that by acknowledging that, by looking at these, these realities. And so the gospel must address these things in order to bring justice. In the deeply formed life, it says in the United States, institutional racism emerges from a sinful hierarchy that normalizes and prioritizes white people. And this might be hard to receive, but the residue of white normality and white supremacy remains deeply at work in our society. And this is a justice issue. As the prophets of old cried out, right, for justice, Isaiah 10, what sorrow awaits the unjust judges, those who issue unfair laws, they deprive the poor of justice. They deny the rights of the needy among my people. They prey on widows and take advantage of orphans. And as it goes on and on, there can be no true reconciliation of a right without justice. For relationships to be fully restored, things have to be made right. Injustice is the presence of right verdicts with right relationships. And this is the work of Jesus. And so we would say, and so this morning as we look at this, this gospel mandate to, in, to join into this work of um, right verdicts and right relationships, what do we do? It is a multifaceted problem and it's a, it requires a multifaceted solution, right? And even this last week or when we saw the capital things, it was very much... Even in that, it was it, it, it just it was more than um, political. There was there was racist overtones, right? There was racist images. There was racism that was driving that. We're not saying that Republicans, every Republican is racist. No, what we're just saying in those images, it was racism that was driving that, and we saw it. So, what is the solution? Part of this, what we're going to be driving to, and we're not going to spend. Like uh, we, we could go on and on and on, but we know it's a commitment for the gospel of Jesus Christ to continue to step towards justice in these things of our country, for truth to be expressed, for us to continue to grow into these realities. 
And there is a there, and I think our commitment to as a church is for us to continue to be looking at this regularly and looking for direct action to be taken. What does courageous Christianity look like in the face of our complicitness as a country? It will take an awareness. Um, Jamar Tinsby puts out the arc analogy, right? It's going to take awareness. Well, we will have to look into the face of many of these allegations and the data and the survey of racism within our country. It will take relationships with others where we have habits of listening in order to soar. And it will take commitment, commitment to action, a commitment to use our resources differently, a commitment to use our money differently. We saw many people doing that this last week where they suspended financial giving for certain things as a commitment. Right? There'll be a commitment in order to raise up our voice and in that way. And that's what courageous Christianity looks like. Let me share that image again. Courageous Christianity will stand against any person, policy, or practice that would dim the glory of God reflected in the life of human beings from every tribe and tongue. And to stand against, to proclaim that kind of thing, always has backlash. Always. When a person or a policy or practices dims the glory of God reflected in a human life, it seems that the systems and the evil fights against it. And those who have put themselves to that work, for many, they lay their lives down for it as we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Remember watching the documentary with David Chappelle, right? And so many people, uh, I think it was after George Floyd, were like, oh, hey, we were waiting for you to speak up. You're a leader in this. And he was like, I'm not a leader. You know what happens to leaders who speak up on this? They die. They give their lives, right? It's part of the courageous Christianity is that we would stand up against anything that would dim the glory of God reflected on the life of human beings from every tribe and tongue. Our commitment to you is to continue to grow our awareness. And as Genesis, we think the big push towards me as a white male is for my awareness to grow by learning, to pursue it, to step into it, to allow things not to um, undermine that, to take time and energy and effort for that awareness to grow. It is too easy just to kind of stop and allow it just to kind of um, happen for a moment. But we need to learn, we need to remember. There's an act of, uh, the habit of remembering that is a part of awareness. And so even these rhythms of Juneteenth and Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday are all these patterns within our country of remembering what has happened, where we've been, what are the realities. We need awareness. Our commitment is to grow in that awareness and to move us all towards that. And we believe this should be thoughtful and that we should take time to do it right. And we're going to be moving into that and challenging people to build relationships, but also a commitment to action. 
I think the most disturbing part of everything that we have seen um, that, that has happened in the last year when it comes to this sort of commitment to action, there's kind of this pattern, right? This is what um, Danielle Koch, she's an artist and an illustrator. She describes like this pattern, right? Her, her, uh, her place is called, oh, Happy Danny. You, you can follow her. She says, this is the cycle of inaction. This is not courageous Christianity here, right? But this is the cycle. There's a horrific injustice, goes to shock and confusion. There's an emotional response. There's performative allyship. That's where you make statements and people go on Facebook and they make a statement and they denounce it, right? So that's, that's the, that seems to be the action. And then there's guilt and fatigue. As people are shamed for their statements or they, they have to continue to battle against lies And then it leads to inaction and passivity, to apathy, and the cycle continues. We've seen that, correct? She challenges us, right, to a different kind of pattern. Right, the cycle of action. When a horrific injustice does take place, that we're not overtaken by shock and confusion, as if the fruit of systemic oppression is surprising. I don't know for you when the certain things happen, and even last week when I saw the Confederate flag being moving moved through the Capitol building, I was kind of like, this doesn't happen here. This isn't us. And then the reality that it is, this is. This, this is what has been seeded here, what has been planted here, what has been allowed to remain here. It's the fruit of systemic oppression. So instead of an emotional response, or our emotional response will be marked by empathy and compassion, leading to this rejection of performative allyship, in exchange for the real vigorous work, this is the hardest part, the commitment to real work. The commitment. This is where it takes prophetic insight and the leading of the Holy Spirit and peers and a people to come alongside with. And should guilt and fatigue set in, there's a collective community, a group of a learning community of peers that will recenter the needs of those yearning for liberation. We put the vision for God's restoration in there, his good kingdom work before us. Let us know that the work, the unity that we're being called to is worth the struggle. Sensing the Holy Spirit and being powered with us, remembering that inaction and passivity are detrimental. That these root, this, this rootedness of sin and racism does not go away. And that apathy is the antithesis of unconditional love. That's where we're being challenged to go. We have a commitment to go there together. 
to move with courageous. And committing to courageous action will be the hardest part of pursuing racial justice. And, and the reality is, is that complicit Christianity with racism in our day does look different than the days in the past. It looks like Christians responding to the movement of Black Lives Matter, the ideology, the, 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 the language of that, the lament of that call, right? The lament of Black Lives Matter, that call, that calls out. Complicity looks like people screaming out all lives matter. Complicity with racism in our day now consistently looks like supporting a president whose racism has been displayed for decades. It looks like Christians telling black people and their allies that their attempts to bring up racial concerns are divisive. Mm -hmm. It looks like conversations on race that focus on individual relationships and are unwilling to discuss systemic solutions. This is not to demonize people, but this is to speak the truth and to call things out, to not be complicit. And it demands action. Developing awareness and relationships will, could create or may create a burden for the struggles of others, but that does not necessarily move us to act, and we must act. So I'm inviting you, church, inviting us to say, we are going to act on these things. We are going to speak on them. We're going to engage together in dialogue. You will not be silenced in a conversation, but if you speak with racist ideas and perpetuating that, yes, we will call it out. And if I do, we're inviting you to call it out as we look at systems. But this is a deeply rooted life in Jesus and we're invited to go there. So today there is, it's a commitment towards action is what we're inviting. And we know that um, that's gonna take an intentional investment. And with that, just hear our commitment to this work as a gospel work as a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you need to sit with that more, if you need to understand, if you need help seeing that connected to the person of Jesus, let us sit and teach so we could be called into appropriate witness, repentance, and the pursuit of justice. As we close, I want us to pray together. Because part of this commitment, right, in order to remain on this journey is people who continue, it will be to pray. Dr. King's wife talked about in the civil rights movement that it was anchored in prayer, rooted in prayer. And that will be needed. Yeah, I'm copying a prayer. I'm going to put it into the chat for us because I want us to pray this together. And for whatever reason, maybe it's showing up, maybe it isn't. One more time. We're going to pray and then EMAD. No, it's not letting me. 
Let me pray this. This was a corporate prayer, and I'm going to send this out. We're going to send this to you. It's a prayer that we can pray in our homes. What's that? Yeah, yeah, let me share it on my screen. Thank you, Pete. I can do that. Thanks for helping us to solve that. You'll see it within my notes here. Okay. It's the prayer here at the end. Is that big enough for everyone's eyes? <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> Jesus, have mercy here. Hold on, my. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, is it back yet? Where'd it go? I mean, I uh, just deleted my prayer. Um, here in my notes. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. Here we go. Lord Jesus, your kingdom is good news for a world caught in racial hostility. We ask that you give us grace for the deep challenges our country faces. We confess our anger, our deep sadness, and our collective sense of weakness to see this world healed through our own strength. We honestly confess that our country has a long history of racial oppression, that racism has been a strategy of evil powers and principalities infected by structural sin. We confess that the gospel is good news for the oppressed and the oppressor. Both are raised up, both are liberated, but in different ways. The oppressed are raised up from the harsh burden of inferiority. The oppressor from the destructive illusion of superiority. We confess that the gospel is your power to form a new people, not identified by dominance and superiority, but by the unity in the spirit. We ask that you help us name our part in our country's story of racial oppression and hostility. Whether we have sinned against others by seeing them as inferior or have been silent in the face of evil, forgive us of our sin. We pray for our enemies, for those who have allowed satanic powers to work through them. Grant them deliverance through your mighty name. We ask that you form us to be peacemakers. Mm -hmm. May we be people who speak the truth in love as we work for a reconciled world. Lord, we commit our lives to you, believing that you are working in the world in despite of destructive powers and principalities. Bring healing to those who are hurt, peace to those who are anxious, and love to those who are fearful. We wait for you, Lord. Make haste to help us. Oh, Lord, only you can make things new. Amen. Mm -hmm.